Hello, thank you for joining us. This is the Friendly Reminder Podcast. It's your weekly friendly reminder of what's going on around the world, in our lives, and everything in between. Uh, My name is Gus. Uh, Once again, I'm going to be your host for the evening. Uh, It is August uh, the 13th, mid-August already. Uh, And joining me today, as always, are my two dear friends. Uh, Daniel, how are you today? Good. Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. Sorry, just get a little ahead of myself there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get to that right now. But before we do, uh, Sam, how are you? I'm good. Anxious to get started. Good to hear. And yes, uh, as Daniel just mentioned, uh, we're going to get started to the big... uh, with the big news of the day, uh, the time has arrived. Uh, the the moment is here. We've been anticipating this moment for for weeks now, and it's it's finally arrived. Uh, the five thirty eight model is out. Seventy two percent Biden, baby. We got this. We got this in the bag. Seventy two. That could. That's a hundred percent. Uh, but no, that's a joke. Um, what we're actually going to talk about is that Joe Biden has finally made his uh, VP vice presidential selection, and it is uh, Kamala Harris uh, is is the choice, which not a huge surprise. Um, I think she was on top of the uh, the short list, most short list that I saw uh, online and uh, through news outlets. Um, she was speculated to be one of one of the obvious choices and indeed she was so yeah i think on our episode where we talked about the vp choices we brought her up and said she was a a likely choice although we were like strategically we were kind of puzzled as to what she actually offered but she Mm -hmm. did seem very like like as one of the top contenders um just because of i guess name recognition maybe mainly yeah i mean Um, she's a prolific senator um yeah, yeah i mean she's a very she's a very talented politician i think She's probably to the right of us on a few issues. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, so yeah. In fact, let me start with this before we get on to like just what, what how we think this is actually going to affect the general election or help or hurt Joe Biden. Let's just go around the table real quick. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. I mean, you you uh, two weeks ago when we had that preview, you said you like Kamala Harris, so. You happy with the choice? Um, I mean, like, I, look. It, when I said I liked Kamala Kamala Harris, um, it was it was sort of a relative situation. As we've said before, Joe Biden was nobody here's sort of first choice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it seems like a pretty solid choice. Again, I don't think uh, VP candidates matter that much, um, right. but he. He, you know, he chose somebody who is, at least in a in a sort of broad sense, on the leftish side of the party. Although, you know, not obviously as far left as Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. Although the Trump campaign mm-hmm. has been putting out ads that are <laughs> that are like Kamala is the most left senator ever, as if Bernie doesn't exist and Elizabeth Warren doesn't exist. Uh, Bernie doesn't exist fun. anymore. Well, yeah, we're, yes, but yeah, he's we're still gonna... in the Senate. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, yeah, so so the left tends to 
a lot of people who I follow on Twitter who are on the left or who consider them as part of the left are very like, oh, Kamala sucks because she was a cop and she was a prosecutor. Um, she was, uh, and you know, she was a very progressive prosecutor, and that's always going to bring with it its own conflicts. And I'm certainly, certainly not going to defend everything she did um, as yeah. a prosecutor, but I know that, uh, you know. It, no, nobody is is sort of perfect in that regard. <laughs> I mean, the top of the ticket is is not anywhere near yeah. perfect in that regard. Yeah. He, you know, he voted for the crime bill, bragged about working with Dixiecrat segregationists in his own party, uh, got called out by Kamala for bragging about as uh, that much. Um, so you know, all in all, I, I you know, I mean, this is one of those things where again, it's like the you look what's on the other side of the ledger and. It's a man who who has trouble keeping his pants up and is the president, and that's Trump. So it's sort of hard to be like, well, she has all these flaws and stuff when you're like, yeah, but I mean, everybody, I mean, seriously, everybody is going to vote for them, right? I mean, that's not even a, it should yeah, not be I don't a question. Think... I know that lo- ruins our lefty credibility. All You know, all that lefty credibility we've worked so hard to build up over these past few episodes. But, but for the love of God, don't... Uh, I'm waiting not. for the DNC check to, to come in the mail anytime soon. Yeah. You're collecting a check from the DNC and I'm collecting a check from Vladimir Putin. And Yeah. <laughs> and we're all collecting checks from Trump. Uh, and but, George Soros. <laughs> yes. We're rich. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Being but, a podcaster, incredibly lucrative career move. <laughs> I don't know why everybody doesn't do this. <laughs> um, but Sam, what about you? Like, what's what are your thoughts? How, how did you feel when you heard the news? Did you, anything like that? Are you excited and neutral? What, what are you? Thinking? Uh, I think it was the best choice available, honestly. Mostly because if if um, first off, it was uh, who was the person that was under Obama, the NSA person? I forgot her name. Susan Rice. Susan Rice. Thank you. I knew it was Rice something. She would have been. She wouldn't have been like none of these people that they were looking at would have been actual bad picks. But the reaction from the right would have made it look bad, you know? Um, So I don't think that was... But as far as uh, Kamala, right? That's how I pronounce it? I think it's Kamala. 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 I think she's the average pick, just like Joe Biden's the average presidential candidate <laughs> i mean it's not really average but you know, like, you say, I, I think when well, you say average you mean like safe right like yeah mm-hmm. not necessarily just the safest pick available yeah i agree and I, I do think that is a safe presidential pick um you know i'm not uh particularly thrilled um i, I said it in a, a few podcasts ago that my horse in the race was probably elizabeth warren but um I mean, same with her. I, I don't know how she would have boosted the ticket um, that much. I just would have been excited to to see her as the pick. But 
I mean, I, I think it's a solid choice. I, I think um, I heard her speak on the first event that um, they had together. I believe that was just yesterday. Uh, I can't keep track of time, but I believe it was yesterday, and I thought she did a solid job. It was a good speech. Um, I am particularly tickled by how the right is trying to respond to this and how the Trump campaign is trying to respond to this because I don't. I personally do not think they've been doing a very good job. They've been all over the place. Um, calling her phony, calling her um, uh, mean, uh, mean. Uh, Kamala harsh, founded Antifa somehow, yeah, harsh, <laughs> but at the same time, a harsh prosecutor, like too harsh. Uh, but she's also a socialist. She's a Marxist. She's the most, as you mentioned, Ali, the most liberal leftist senator uh, right now. They're doing a birtherism thing too. I mean, yeah, now, well, now they're actually um, saying that she may not be eligible to be president. Um, yeah, they're I saying because her parents wonder, were just visiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder That's, why they, they're going to mention I'm surprised that. they haven't actually done, like, her being a prosecutor uh, for... Well, they do, but then it's, it's like, muddled with everything else. Yeah. And what I'm kind of... Well, because the vast majority of the American people, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to speak for anybody in particular, but they don't care that she was a... Pro- it's like, oh, she was a prosecutor? Okay. That's yeah. the guy who puts people in jail. Like it, it don't, that issue matters to a very. Ugh, maybe I'll get canceled for saying this, but that particular whether she is a prosecutor or not, I, it does not seem like a sig- will be a significant issue in the general election. Well, it's also contradictory to Trump's message of law and order. Like if it was, <laughs> yeah. if she was a strong prosecutor, then what's the problem? The, your whole thing is that you're going to be tough on crime and you're going to stop riots and you're just going to be pre uh, bring peace to uh, quote unquote. And I'm putting this in quotes because this is how he says it: suburban housewives uh, across America. <laughs> Um, so it's it's a really muddled response, and I'm particularly surprised because this is not an off uh, you know off of left field choice. This is a this was a very obvious choice that the Trump campaign should have had plenty of time to research and do um, uh, opposition opposition research on, and to come up with this really mixed message. I don't know if they're just off their game, like if the whole COVID situation just has them off their game, and they're just not able to really coordinate a good campaign, but. It's well, it's a, is it ahead. possible that it's not resonating with? I mean, it, it, you know who it's designed to resonate with, right? Yeah, <clears throat> suburban the suburb the great big what does he say the the life size suburban housewife I don't, whatever whatever weird thing Trump says calls white people now the suburban housewife. <laughs> um, I just don't think it's meant, I mean, like, it sounds stupid to us, but are there people, like, shitting their pants because they think Antifa is coming and they're going to, you know, mess up their lawn furniture, like, rearrange it in, like, a mean way or something? And so they're like, oh, Kamala, like, is the, that's the people who, who they're talking to, right? Like, that's the people mi- who they're Middle America, to. the swing voter, the the terrified, <laughs> the person who, who swings between... Uh, who swung between Hillary Clinton and and Donald right. Trump or something? But but I guess my point is like if that is who they're talking about and that's that's uh, um, the audience that they're talking to, why not just stay with one cohesive message, which is mm. she is just a Marxist or just a crazy socialist that's going to help Antifa? What's what's this going back and forth um, um, saying she is a leftist but at the same time a phony? Um, uh, at the oh, same Trump time, Trump should call her. California Kamala. California Kamala. Yeah. 
California yeah. Cup. Nah, nah, it's not a good to me. That'll that'll do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, other than that, I again not the pick was not a huge surprise, uh, but I, I think it's fine. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to hurt uh, Biden in any way. I, I mentioned. Um, in our preview of, of this pick two weeks ago that Biden is probably going to pick somebody that keeps him where he is more or less. I think that's, that's the aim right now. I mean, to, I, I believe the lead has shrunk a little bit to right now. It's not a great time for polling because it's right before the convention, uh, but he's still ahead significantly. And I don't think this is going to do not by itself, anything to, to affect that. That would be my prediction, at least in, in the short term. It's also, I, I think the identity stuff is worth mentioning too. I mean, I'm not yeah. like super, I'm not going to be super enthralled with it. Um, but even, you know, I mean, she is uh, J- Jamaican and, and mm-hmm. Asian, uh, Indian American, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, and when I say I'm not, I'm not super enthralled with it, I think it's because yeah, the other, the other times, you know, the other Indian Americans have been like Bobby Jindal and, and, uh, the governor of South Carolina, no, uh, Nikki Haley, or, or whatever her name is, and so you know the identity and, uh, issue. FBC is going to be crap. Guy. Sorry, what? Or the FCC. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. I love the FCC. Oh, yeah, him. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a good point, though. Like, and we shouldn't minimize that. It's it's uh, it is historic uh, for her to uh, obviously uh, she is the third. Uh, uh, woman to be selected as a vice presidential candidate, but she is the first uh, uh, woman of color. Um, is she the first um, person of color to be a, a vice presidential uh, candidate from the two major parties? I can't think of anybody else. Um, uh, so she may be. If she was just the third I mean, obviously uh, Obama third person was the first or third president. woman being selected, then probably... Oh, we forgot our, our man. Big Joe Biden. Ah, uh, yes, the first uh, black vice president. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, it is historic, and it, it's it's good to see. Um, and I, I think she'll be a good partner for Biden on the campaign trail. Again, I think the uh, convention is next week, of, uh, maybe two weeks from so, now. I really don't know. We'll and see the how convention is it. just going to be basically this, like the Zoom meeting, yes. with people in their bedrooms. Okay. Yes, it's all going to be virtual, um, and it's it, nobody's going to be in Milwaukee, and it's probably going to be a little bit awkward. But there should John still be some... gets three hours, and AOC gets forty-seven seconds, right? That well, that's what I heard. I don't know if yeah. that's confirmed that she she's going to speak for a minute. Uh, I'm sure she's going to speak more than that. But um, <laughs> she's going to be like, "Hi, every," and then it just cuts. <laughs> and it just cuts to black to John Kasich. <laughs> oh, great! God bless uh, America. Other than that, uh, is there anything else you guys want to say um, about Kamala Harris being the pick? I mean, I think one of the issues with her campaign was her sort of, I mean, you, if you read some of the the pieces that came out after her campaign imploded, she couldn't really define herself. I don't really know. I mean, adding her to the Joe Biden campaign, I feel is like stacking lack of definition on top of lack of definition and just sort of yeah. p- mushing it together into a, a big pile of sort of oatmeal like unflavored oatmeal 
I don't, yeah. I don't yeah, I think mean, they're trying to do anything, I really. I think they're just trying to, like, you know, not fuck up. And by Check not the boxes try- and not fuck yeah. up. I don't think yeah. I mean, that's I think, I think this lack of definition has been helpful for Joe Biden yeah. because all it does is put the spotlight on Trump, and Trump very willingly just drowns himself. So maybe not having this kind of firebrand uh, like a Bernie Sanders probably would have been, and and. I would prefer Bernie Sanders over Biden, but I'm just trying to like view this in a general way. But maybe not try to overly define themselves as, as a plus for for Biden and Harris right now. Uh, at least the polls are showing they're doing something correctly. Yeah. Anyways, um, we wish Kamala Harris the best on the campaign trail. Uh, honestly, if I had to pick between those three, uh, Harris, Biden, and Trump to be president, I would pick Harris. In Harris, hundred like, percent. even <laughs> not even okay. close. So, yeah. Best of luck to you, Kamala Harris. Um, we'll see so, you on the campaign trail. The I don't know. So when we first talked about this, we also talked about how the VP pick would um, be the next. Democratic presidential candidate. Do you think that's what she's going to do? Yeah. Or do you think I mean, that yeah. she could follow through with it? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, yeah, we did mention how it, uh, this pick could be the future of the Democratic Party. And I think if, uh, I think it's a yes. I think at least as far as what the establishment Democrats want, I think they very much are happy with this choice and they're very much happy to have her be the face of the Democratic Party in 2024, uh, assuming Joe Biden does not seek a second uh, term if he is elected president, of course. Uh, should be obvious that I'm putting that asterisk. But uh, yeah, I, I think if they win, then Harris... I actually think even if Biden loses, I think Harris... Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, even as, if Biden loses, I think she has a really good chance of... Yeah, I think if, if, if they lose, then obviously politician. she's open to bit to. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I think if they if they lose, then she's going to be open to more contenders, uh, especially from the left. If they win, then I think she's going to be the face of the Democratic Party, yeah, for the for- foreseeable future. Her primary campaign kind of flamed out, but I think she's an enormously talented population uh, po- politician. Yeah. Um, I thought the people running her campaign mishandled that situation and she came off a little more, much more fake and forced than she probably really yeah. is. So Plus, I mean, with point. Joe Biden himself, we have an example of having a pretty bad uh, run for president and then becoming vice president. And all of a sudden you're on the top of the ticket. Um, it does a lot being vice president. Even yeah. Pence seems good. Apparently, I've seen some polls today where it's like Pence is the next choice for <laughs> which Jesus. Really? I guess it's better wow. than Trump Talk about Jr. just bland, just definite, <laughs> definitionless garbage. Ugh. I am excited to see that debate, the Pence and Harris debate. I, I don't want to uh, raise expectations for Harris. Uh, I think people are, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that debate. Probably more uh, than I am to watching Biden and Trump debate. I mean, I don't even sure? want to watch that. Like, yeah, yeah I don't think mean... anybody wants to watch that. Ugh. Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I, I I say Biden wins if he can just say complete sentences. He can do that, Biden. <laughs> yeah, but Hillary Clinton... I'm, I'm just purposely lowering expectations. Because oh. It should be everybody's game. Um, but anyways, let's let's move on. I think we've covered that pretty well. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Sam. That was a very good point. But let's move on to our next topic. Uh, 
which we do want to discuss um, over the weekend, Trump signed some executive orders. So to give some context to these orders before we actually go into detail, Congress has yet to reach any kind of uh, coronavirus uh, relief bill, uh, uh, you know, a CARES 2, whatever you want to call it, a follow-up to, to the first CARES Act that was passed in March. Um, there's been no deal. Uh, McConnell introduced some kind of bill that literally everybody hated, the right hated it, the left hated it. It was uh, dead on arrival. Uh, the uh, Democratic House already passed the HEROES Act uh, like two months ago, three months ago. It's been sitting um, in McConnell's desk for, for months now. Uh, again, pretty much a non-starter for the Republican. Uh, the Republicans, there's been no deal whatsoever. Uh, the unemployment rate is still over, um, is still in double digits, still over 10%. Uh, we got that GDP report a couple of weeks ago that was horrific. Uh, and yet Congress, and I think specifically the Republicans in Congress, has have failed to meet the moment. Um, so Trump's great idea or the, or the Trump administration's great idea is to pass these executive orders, which if you're Push notifications were anything like my push notifications on my smartphone. You would think that he unilaterally he saved everything. He, according to my phone, I mean, it said yeah, he cured it. He did. Yeah, you would say he unilaterally extended sure the unemployment benefits. Um, that he um, put in an, an evic eviction moratorium. Uh, that he uh, helped out people with uh, student loans. Uh, and he made everybody's wiener two inches bigger, according to yeah. this. That's yeah. true, actually. I just checked it's it crazy. the other day, and yeah, thanks. Weird Trump. that he was able to do that just by <laughs> writing it down. Um, no, that's gross. Um, but <laughs> so I wanted to go over that because obviously, one the big the big hypocrisy is that all of a sudden executive orders are the shit when it comes to Republicans. Uh, when Bar Barack Obama uh, did his executive orders to help out Dreamers, uh, it was tyranny tyranny it was he was trying to be king Hitler. yeah nazi yeah concentration um, camp undermining freedom liberty and justice for all uh now all of a sudden we're cool like it's fine um it's uh, there's strong leadership strident uh abilities so with the lack of anything coming out of uh congress do you think in the future or during the elections, do you think this will hurt uh, the Republican senators? It should. I mean, that's in, in I a hope it does, well functioning but... country. They like they would be done. They're, they're like, I don't know why anybody would want to vote for for a bunch of senators that have refused to get even the smallest kind of relief package done. I mean, they they should be shown the door. Uh, obviously. Well, they... They cheat. That helps. Yeah, that, that's what I was about <laughs> to mention. Yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. there's questions about uh, voter suppression. Uh, we may touch office. upon that real quick. Yeah, that uh, about that. Um, but yeah, how the head go... of the post office is a Trump donor who owns uh, who owns uh, yeah competitors to the post office and is now yeah. slowing everything down. And Trump himself is considering ordering that no votes that are post like that are delayed count <laughs> it's like it's just openly kind of stealing the election but i think that's their strategy is they, they don't think they need to be popular they just sort of need their niche they need their voters and then to hell with everyone else just suppress the hell out of them make sure that 
it's hard for them to vote. And I mean, that, that seems to be their strategy. I mean, I can't, again, yeah, you're right. Like, how could they, how could they see themselves as a competitive party after, you know, killing 200,000 people? Well, they still are, fortunately. Um, yeah, but. and you know we can touch upon that just, but just real quick, I just did do want to go over what what these executive orders actually mean because the main one and the one that's been basically talked about the most is the extension of the unemployment benefits, which what this executive order is essentially in, in, uh, intended to do is to uh, continue the benefits, but rather than the six hundred dollars a, mo- a week that they were getting under the CARES Act, which has since since expired. Uh, it would be four hundred dollars a week. So technically, it's a cut of the, of the benefits that uh, that they were currently um, uh, having to to just get through this pandemic. Um, and even then, there's there's some weird caveats because obviously, um, this is this is not a congressional act. So this is not a a change in the budget. This is a redistributing uh, an existing budget and and uh, taking funds previously meant for uh, disaster relief towards this, which two things that that are interesting about this. If this actually is implemented, uh, it's for $44 billion in total, which essentially covers these benefits for about five to six weeks before they, they expire again. And the other thing is that the federal government covers $300 a week with the other $100 uh, left to the states to cover. And a lot of states are broke right now. They, they don't have the budget to actually cover this because there's a pandemic going on. And it turns out handling a pandemic is a very expensive endeavor. So again, it's very temporary. It's unsure how it's going to be implemented because apparently it's not, it's not just a direct extension of the benefits. It has to be done through a new program altogether, which could take months or at least weeks for it to be implemented. Um, and there is just the question of whether it's legal or not. It may be, but even then, it's, this is not sufficient to actually uh, address the situation. And even make a dent in it, basically. Yeah. And... Maybe you guys can answer this because every everything I look here in regards to these benefits and the student loan thing and the um, the eviction issue is if Donald Trump was so in favor of this that he would go out of his way, why doesn't he just push Congress and congressional Republicans and congressional senators to come with a deal? Is it just because they would rather have something to show without actually getting anything done? I think it's because it's bullshit and he just writes stuff down in hopes that nobody checks on it, which is basically what happened here when the media printed uh, Trump ends recession single-handedly by issuing this uh, executive order. But and I, I'm not joking. The President Trump signed executive orders that included financial support to Americans hard hit by the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic yeah. after his negotiators failed to reach a deal with Congress. That's a that is a straight news headline, <laughs> which is yeah. I, I, that was a Reuters headline, so it's not biased at all. Um, it's just kind of amazing. It, so he just said stuff like, uh, "What was the thing he said a little while ago?" He said, "Oh, we're going to have like a full healthcare bill that'll cover everyone. It'll be really good." Uh, he said that numerous times. He said, "We'll have it in two weeks. We'll sign it in law in two weeks." And then two weeks goes by and nothing happens because he just literally just says shit. Um, and this executive order is 
this executive order thing is a little bit of an extension on that. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more than just saying shit, but I mean, not much. <laughs> they still they still have to get implemented. And uh, if anything, Trump has shown that he's not very good at implementing these things in sort of an effective, streamlined way. Uh, or his administration isn't, and his uh, um, yeah. toadies in the agencies are not. Um, and some of it is is hard to even know how you're going to implement it. So like the the um, moratorium on evictions. Essentially, if you yeah, actually it's read nothing. the, it's, it's nothing. nothing. It's it's just like oh, HUD will take a look at what they can do about it. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, and New York Times wrote, uh, Mr. Trump's measures include an eviction moratorium period. Uh okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, geez, I hope that you can print out this New York Times article and show it to your landlord when they try to evict you, because otherwise, no one knows what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, because it's bullshit. It's just random shit that Trump says, and we treat I, it. I you think were about to say something. Trump is just like a figurehead right now. I don't think he could do anything to to get Senate to get the Senate in gear to actually have. Senate Republicans do something about it. I don't think they see him as a leader. I don't think that they see him in this serious way. I mean, mm. I mean I'm mean, i not a Republican, and I'm not in the Senate, but I don't see him in a serious way. So I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, uh, but just, just to give you an idea, you were talking about the ev eviction moratorium. Here's what it yeah. says. Uh, Trump's actions direct various federal agencies to see if there's anything they could do to prevent evictions. It is the policy of the United States to minimize, to the greatest extent possible, residential evictions and foreclosures during the ongoing COVID-19 national emergency. That's that's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> it's, just a it's like saying it's the policy of the United States to provide awesome times and great hugs and stuff, <laughs> and then the New York Times is like the president makes it awesome again. That's it's just it's nonsense. No. Uh, it, oh my god, it's just so frustrating. Uh, yeah, that's that's the sad part because it it may well be a, a successful political strategy. I think that would be the worst situation if if somehow he does get a boost out of all of this because we or the media didn't really do their due diligence. I have seen some follow up articles that that are a little bit more critical about of it, but I mean, yeah, that that initial rollout really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Trump will say, uh, I don't know if he's going to do this, but this is conceivable that he would do something like this. He'll just say, well, yeah, I remember when I did the eviction moratorium, he'll just keep saying it over and over again. And then eventually the New York news in order to sort of balance it out, even though it's complete and other bullshit, they'll be like, oh, it's a partial truth. <laughs> Instead yeah. of just total bullshit, it's like a partial truth. Oh, they're going to do like that a, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, they will. They'll be like, oh, yeah, there's a bit, there's something on both sides of these stories. Conservative media will be like, oh, well, he did this thing. So it's not a total lie. I don't know. That's if assuming that people are still interested in checking this idiot's the things that he says, uh, which I've rapidly become uninterested in doing actually fact checking him. I say just call him a fucking liar no matter what comes out of his mouth. Maybe that's. That doesn't even hurt him. That though, would be anymore. more accurate, to be honest with you, about at least not. Yeah, I don't really feel like time. giving this guy's just sputterings a close reading um, or a close parsing, but that's how I feel. And uh, and just to mention, there is it's still very unlikely that there's going to be a congressional deal anytime soon. Um, the last insane. I 
Yeah, last I checked, they're still at an impasse. I think they might even be going on another recess uh, uh, again soon until September. Um, and again, this is this is on the backdrop of our worst economic crisis, a, a gigantic health crisis that has not gotten any better. Gus, this, did you mention one of the things he did was a pep temporary payroll tax deferral? Yeah, which is so about that. I mean, it's not even a cut. You still have to pay the tax. Yes. It's not until after the election. Oh my god! And, and Trump said, "Like, oh well, if I win the election, I'm going to make it permanent." But uh, obviously, he's going to say that. But yes, like, it, and the thing is, is that it's. And I could be wrong about this, but when it comes to the payroll taxes, obviously because they're payroll taxes, it's the employer's re responsibility to collect them and send that to the IRS. So if employers are responsible for it and they're not doing it during this time, that means they're going to get dinged hard once tax season comes about around. Um, exactly. They do if everybody's payroll is lower, that means they're not paying the payroll taxes. If people yeah. got laid off, they're not paying. Nobody's paying the payroll taxes. Which means it's not stimulating anything. I mean, that you know, I'm being pretty broad here. Obviously, some people are still paying the payroll taxes, but it's it's a weird way to stimulate things. It's like everybody lost their job, so you're like, okay, I'll stimulate things by giving money to each one of the people that still has a job. <laughs> like it's it's, yeah. um, and I think the, yeah, like, but it's what Republicans do. Shit goes bad, and they cut the payroll tax. It's just their so, thing that they do, no matter what happens. What were we going to say, Sam? With, uh, let's just say a hypothetical here. Um, let's say uh, a meteorite comes to Earth and it's going to hit Earth. And it comes to the United States. Like, no other country will be affected. I mean, it'll be, it'll probably be impossible for that to happen. But this is hypothetical anyway. Um... Do you think Congress would actually get together about it and do something, or would they just do the same thing they've been doing for the past, like? It would be. It, it's hard to say. It would be them. I, I mean, I don't know what would happen, but it. I mean, Trump would be like the the meteor. The meteor will just disappear one day. It'll just go away. Uh, and the fake news media is lying. They say it's bigger than Texas, but it's a. It's really only half the size of Texas, um, and then. You know, I don't know what accent that was. But... It was my best attempt at a Trump <laughs> voice. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, my point is that when the meteor wipes out the entire Atlantic seaboard, Trump will be like, nobody could have seen this coming. <laughs> <laughs> and Republicans will be like, yeah, no one could have seen this coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even I though mean, we've been talking about the meteor spiraling towards us for months now. Um, it's. It's funny because, like, does it even have to be a hypothetical? Like, obviously, the meteor, I get, but like, we just had something that has killed 165,000, probably over 200,000 Americans, destroyed our economy. We, I, I've been in this room. I'm pointing to my room right now. I know our listeners can't hear us, but I've been in this room like 95% of my life for like the past six months. Yes, I'm an introvert, but this is like, horrible even for me. And I think a lot of people are living the same way. So it's, I don't think we even have to um, uh, talk about hypotheticals. I hypothesize like yeah. we're in it. Like this is a disaster, and they're not doing anything because they don't want to. 
Uh, I actually think it'd be better for them politically, like if they just got something done and if Trump was just the leader and just said, yeah, I don't care about our conservative values. This is a pandemic. We're going to have people out and then we'll worry about the budget after that. And then people will probably cheer that and it'll, it would be fine. And they don't do it. Tighten the they, polls and... Yeah. This feels like literally a, they're married to this ideology that they can't help people out because that's not the libertarian freedom loving way. Well, but, here didn't, we are. but didn't they, I don't know. I, I it, it is very bizarre how, I mean, we, we've talked about it before, how they sort of live in the, the, un, the just uncanny, unreal world of, of Republican news and the Republican echo chamber um, to the point where it's, yeah, it's like people running around you know, kissing everyone and spinning in their mouths, being like, it's not real, guys. The virus is not real. Like, that's... I, uh, yeah, I don't even know what tr- point I'm trying to make other than... I don't know. It's almost like the smart people thought, okay, if we put these people who just lie to everybody uh, in in the news media, uh, we'll uh, be able to maintain power. And then they fucked up, and all of the dumb people who watch... Like, Donald Trump is a Fox News viewer. He is the Fox News viewer. His brain has been pickled by Fox News, and now that yeah. is who is president. This guy who watches 10 hours of Fox News every day and screams at the TV at the top of his lungs. Who DVRs the Fox morning show. <laughs> like, yeah. eight-hour Fox morning show. Um, yeah, anyway, sorry, I've got... I've about got ratings. Yeah, I've completely gotten off topic now, but um that's okay. Um and uh, yeah, and I think a lot of it is also like now they're trying to just cheat their way to to win again. And if they do that again and they realize that that works, then why are they ever going to change their tactics? Um, oh, don't worry. I mean, they're definitely not going to recruit help from a foreign power. That was a tough yeah. lesson that they learned the way that they really paid for that last time. Um Yeah. Yeah, Susan I mean Collins really taught Trump a lesson there. I mean, they're not even like hiding it anymore. Uh, Trump, Trump even said he was quoted as saying like, well, yeah, we're cutting money for the post offices because if they have less money, then they can't do that. Cause he calls all mail. He's in mail-in voting is a tremendous fraud and it's gonna, it's the biggest fraud that's ever been seen. So yeah, we're cutting money to the postal service so they can't do mail-in voting. Um, because it's a giant fraud. He's actually just out there saying that saying stuff like this. I can get the exact quote. Uh, because I was like, they're not even hiding anymore. Uh, yeah, he said that that was like a uh, key to, to stop universal mail-in voting. Yeah. Um, and oh, yeah, as you there is. Was- Quote, they don't have the money to do the mail-in voting. Are they going to even do it if they don't have the money? This is the president. <laughs> he's in charge of all this shit. Uh, he's in charge. He's technically in charge of the post office. I I hate this man so much. Um yeah, the the mail-in voting thing is 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 creepy as hell because when you look at the statistics, it's very very clear that Biden voters are going to be doing tremendous amount of mail-in voting. Yeah. Trump voters who are less concerned about the virus are going to be appearing in person, which means it's very likely that it will look like Trump is going to win on election day. And much like the last couple of elections that we've had during the pandemic, slowly yet surely, as they count the mail-in ballots. The Democrat will start to to yeah. trend well, upwards and even beat Trump, but he's going to deny the legitimacy of that. He's going to say, "Oh, it's a bunch of fake 
fake shit. I mean, he's already saying it's fraud. It's a bunch of fraud. All the mail-in votes are fraud. <laughs> um, I I guess uh, there's not really a cap to this other than it's just really scary. Uh, minor spoiler for Plot Against America. At the end of the show, Plot Against America, which is really good, based on a really good Philip Roth novel, uh, it's it, I, I thought it was kind of cartoony. The sort of bad administration starts like taking uh, ballot boxes and they're not stuffing the ballot boxes. They're they're hacking the locks off of them. And they're burning the votes. And I'm like, oh, that's a little cartoony. It's literally they're doing the same thing. They're delaying it and making it very difficult for people to mail in vote. It, they might as well just be taking, finding the ballots, intercepting them and just burning them if they're going to say, well, they're not going to count if they get here, uh, you know, a day after the election and you can't count yeah. those because you gotta somehow count all the votes on the day. You know, it's not like we're going through a pandemic or anything that might change the dynamic or anything, but um, yeah, I just, it, I don't really, again, I don't really have a thesis to that other than it's, it's scary what's going on. Um, yeah. And again, the postmaster general, uh, Lois DeJoy, you know, the Democrats in Congress yeah. are pulling the head of the Postal Service, who's who's a big Trump donor, DeJoy, yeah, who looks like just a greasy bald thumb. Uh, he, they're pulling him, and you know, they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna be like, "Why are you doing this?" And he'll be like, "Oh, to make it more efficient or something," uh, which is untrue. I mean, it's just becoming, it's 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 crawling deliveries to a halt. Uh, they've they've set it so that states have to pay the full price for mail-in ballots when they used to only have to pay a third of the amount, uh, which <laughs> states did not budget for. Uh, you know, they're delaying the ballots. In a lot of states, uh, Republicans are arguing for a rule that um, any ballot, even if it's postmarked by Election Day, uh, does not count if it gets there after Election Day. Um yeah, again, Trump, uh, tr they're just doing this stuff out in the open, and they're they're just like, yeah, mail-in voting is a bunch of fraud. I mean, it's it's kind of terrifying. I mean, this is, I mean, you read yeah. about what happens in Russia. And you if, any, about if any American read these headlines and they just substituted the, anytime it says United States of America, you just substitute that with a third world country, every every single red blood, so-called red-blooded American would, would read it and be like, oh my God, that's horrible. I'm so glad I live in the United States of America. And here the we are. Socialist hellhole of Venezuela. We'd have to invade them and yeah. take them over because it would and be again, such I, an unfair I think, election. I'm um, not exactly sure what can be done at large, like, or, or what the Democrats can do. Um, I know I'm the only thing I feel like I can do is just take advantage of early voting um, and just go. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. I, it sucks that, that I, I, I even have to consider. Or, I mean, it sucks that I have to expose myself to this uh, this health issue so I can vote. You know, because because my government doesn't want to do anything to allow me to vote from uh, the safety of, of my home and to be able to just mail mail this out and and have and for me to have trust that my vote will be counted because that's where we are. I, I don't I don't trust this government, uh, the federal government, and honestly even the state government to to make sure that my vote is counted. And I feel like I have to take extra precautions to make sure that it does, which I never thought I'd be here. I agree. Again, they don't want they don't want they Democrats don't want to, vote. to vote. They're open yeah, about Democrats it. or 
people of uh, certain color they, I mean, and certain yeah, demographics but, and certain income levels living in a certain um, perhaps urban area, they might call it. I mean, they don't want certain people to vote. And they really want other certain people to vote. Yeah. On a very consistent level. Anyways, um, I know we've talked about voter suppression often in this podcast. We hate to sound like a broken record, but every single week we hear something else that reaffirms and confirms our our fears. And I want to project this fear to anybody listening to it, not to just scare them, but to allow them to just think of all the ways they can to make sure that their vote is counted. Because again, it's a very important election. And it's coming fast. It's really, we're really just a few months away. And that election week or election month or election two, three months is going to be, it's going to be something else, I think. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Biden gets declared president two hours into the votes getting counted. If it's just like a straight blowout, that would be, I mean, it would be a little anticlimactic, but it would, I, would, I mean, if, I don't care if it's a blowout. No, if I would Biden wins, I'm going to, you know, get wasted somehow. Uh, well, no, I don't care if it's a blowout yeah. either. Not like, no, I need it to be close. I would it prefer it to be a blowout. Um, and yes. Me too, but I don't yeah, I really, for a you know, right. I just want Biden to win and Trump to lose. We all do. But uh, we do have to move on. Um, we we want to make sure we, we close this out. Uh, I just want to touch on one last final topic. Change things up a little bit. Um, I want to say this is our fun topic, but honestly, this, this one in particular, uh, it's not about politics, but I wouldn't call it fun. Um, so I want to, you know, give you, give the listeners a little background about me because there's two things that, that I do love. Uh, I love Apple products. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm fully into the Apple ecosystem. Uh, I have an iMac. I have a MacBook. I have an iPad, Apple Watch, iPhone, you, you name it. I'm happy in, in that ecosystem. I'm in my walled garden, so to speak, and uh, I, I don't mind it. I have a good time. Um, but there's another love that, that I do have, and that is video games. And for whatever reason, these two things, Apple and video games, can never really come together in the way that I feel like they should. It, it always makes sense to me that at some point, Apple was just going to get full into, into gaming and just uh, either do a, a tremendous partnership or make some sort of console or just do something that embraces gaming in a way I think it, it deserves to be embraced. That has not happened. And in fact, just recently to, I was just going to cover one thing, but just today an, another uh, event occurred. Um, the first thing I was going to cover is that xCloud, uh, which is just to give some background information, it is Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft's way of streaming what they call Game Pass. Game, Game Pass is their subscription services that you can get right now on Xbox and PC. It works very similar to Netflix. Uh, the difference is that uh, well, 
like Netflix, you pay a subscription, you pay a monthly subscription, and you're given a catalog of, of video games that you're you're able to play at no additional cost, so long as you keep that subscription. The difference is it's not streaming uh, as of right now. You download the games into your device, and you're allowed to play them so long as you keep your subscription going. xCloud is the one that really makes it like Netflix, where it is streaming, um, and it's streaming from the plan is, uh, I believe, to stream it from any device, but it's going to start with phones. Uh, so you can stream whatever is uh, in that catalog. You don't have to ha have it installed. It doesn't matter what kind of specs your device has. It's just going to be able to stream it, and you're going to be able to play it. That's going to launch on Android next month. It is not going to launch on iOS. Uh, and in fact, it doesn't look like it's going to launch on iOS anytime soon because uh, Microsoft ended their beta um, test flight that they were doing, and they said that because of Apple's App Store policies, right now they're not able to provide the service at all. And it seems what is the issue here is that Apple came out and said that they feel they have the right to review every game on an individual basis. That's, that's what the App Store policy uh, states. And because this is a library type of service, they're not able to do so. So it doesn't uh, meet their requirements. It's the same with Stadia. Google Stadia is, is, is Google's version of this, which is somewhat similar. Uh, and so Apple users such as myself, who I was stoked to, to uh, I'm already a Game Pass subscriber, so I was stoked to take advantage of this. Doesn't look like I'm going to get to, to uh, partake anytime soon. And then coupled with that, just today, uh, Apple removed Fortnite. Fortnite, the <laughs> biggest video game right now in the world. Uh, they removed them from the App Store because uh, Epic introduced uh, a payment system in, in the game that essentially circumvents Apple's um, cut of any microtransactions that goes to Apple. And it's just a direct payment to Epic. And they were able to charge less because they don't have to pay Apple's, which I believe is 30% of, of the cut. Uh, and we so think this is a good thing because Fortnite sucks, right? I don't uh, care about Fortnite. Like, I, I, <laughs> like a Game Pass to me is, is just a personal, genuine bummer. I don't care about Fortnite, the game. But I do feel like this is different than other... Uh, you know, I mean, they don't. They don't. So, oh, uh, just to let everyone know, if you ever make a podcast and you try and put it on Apple Podcasts, they review our podcast as well. So it takes huh. like a couple extra days for a podcast. So to some be. dude at Apple headquarters is listening to us babble about something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. Enjoy. <laughs> um, so well, I'm sorry, Daniel. You were going to say something. Oh yeah, I was gonna say is this is seems similar, but correct me if I'm wrong. They they have policies where you can't like purchase things through other apps. So like for example, yeah. Kindle, you can't purchase books on the Kindle yeah. app. You have to go they, to the website and purchase yeah. things. They don't allow an app store within an app store. Yeah, like they the or they don't allow an app store within an app. Essentially, like right. the only way you're you're supposed to be able to purchase anything is is through their official app store. And yes, you're exactly right. That's the reason why with Kindle you're not able to go through their Kindle um, app store. You have to go through the website. You can use Kindle as the reader uh, as an app, but you're not it, it. They're not able to offer the store there. What about um? But um 
Well, I want to say real quick, like even then though, this is this is not really a store. I mean, this is a catalog. This is like again, this is like Netflix. This is they offer the the uh, a, a, a catalog of games for you to be able to play anytime you have your subscription. Now, I, I believe Apple came out and said that the difference is is that this is interactive as opposed to uh, movies or, or music. Uh, so it. That, I don't know. Maybe that for them that they feel this is obviously their excuse, but they're trying to say that this warrants additional scrutiny, even though there is already a board that reviews video games and determines what, you know, what, uh, uh, how, what, how, how the appropriate level in terms of age and whatnot. Uh, there's already a, an independent board that reviews that. So I, I feel this is just the same old thing where it's just. Apple is obsessed with control. Um, they're they're obsessed with keeping that wall garden completely under their control. But I think the and I think a lot of app, uh, app developers eventually capitulate to that because there's just so much money to be made. Um, I don't know if Epic and Microsoft will. I'm kind of hoping they don't. And the reason I feel that way is because previously I don't think there's been any big app that. Um, that has not been able to be on the uh, App Store because of these issues. You know, every kind of game-changing app that's out there, every Uber, every Lyft, um, Airbnb, uh, any major app that you think of, there's a version of it in iOS, and they were able to, to make it work. The last time I could think of something similar was when Apple Maps, or when Apple kicked Google Maps and offered their own maps and it was a disaster and then there was no google maps and for a brief period of time apple users or iphone users did not have a good map uh app on their on their phone yeah that was the only time where it felt like ah, what are you doing but yeah. this feels like to me for example like this sucks I want Game Pass on my iPhone like I I feel left out like why do these android people there might be some room to negotiate. Like, is this going to be resolved? Because I think there are certain... I feel like for Audible, I can now buy Audible books through the Audible app, which yeah. I did not use I mean, to, to do before. So you, does there's there... an Amazon app that you can buy stuff through. Well, but it's on uh, App Store. It's... Yeah, you're not buying digital apps, though, or digital content. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, um... And experiencing it right there. That's I think that's the, the rub of the it. The difference? What about Amazon Prime, though? Isn't that... Is yeah, that I mean, thing? it is to... kind of the same thing, because they don't review each individual movie in Amazon Prime, and, you know, Apple sells movies. It's a little bit inconsistent, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe they, they say, you know, maybe it's just not reasonable to look at every single movie on Amazon Prime. Um but, you know, there's a lot of garbage in the App Store. Yeah, so, so that's the other thing with the curation policies. It's not like you're getting high-quality stuff in the App Store all the time. There's a lot of garbage that gets through. Um, yeah, I don't think they curate for quality's sake. Yeah, so not, I mean, maybe for so some. Cares? <laughs> just Just some, like, uh, they want to get Yeah, they let the friendly or, reminder podcast through that. I mean, geez. Yeah, they're right. garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe they, they, they only really care if it's, like, obvious fraud or something like that. I don't think they're really curating for, for like, this this app does not meet our high-quality standards. Um, but 
I don't know if they're able to strike a deal because I don't think this is necessarily a money thing. If, if, if it was a money thing, I, I would feel confident that Apple, Microsoft, and Epic, I mean, these are uh, Epic's like worth like 17 billion and then Apple and Microsoft are two of the biggest companies in the world. Like there's some deal to be reached here if it was just an issue about money. But if it's an issue about like, if it's just Apple just being strictly stubborn about the kind of control that they want to have over their um, their store, I think something's got to give. Either Microsoft has to change their xCloud and Game Pass service in a substantial way on, on the iOS platform, or, and this is what I hope happens, Apple just capitulates and changes their, their honestly fairly draconian um, policies when it comes to the App Store. There was a congressional hearing just a couple of weeks ago, pretty much on, and Tim Cook was grilled on this. And honestly, as much as I love Apple, I'm hoping they keep the pressure on. I hope there's still more congressional pressure on. I hope uh, Microsoft and Epic stick their, uh, you know, stick with with uh, this their ground. And I hope Apple gives in because this is not benefiting me as a consumer, to be honest with you. And and I could care, I could not care less if if Apple gets 30% of their cut or not. So you're going to be a PC user from now on? No. I mean, I'm kind of stuck <laughs> because I'm, I'm... But, like, I think about, like, you two have an iPhone, right, Sam and Daniel? Yeah. But yeah. you don't have a Mac, right? Like, no. Like, I could... Like, if somebody in your position asked me and they actually cared about Game Pass, honestly, I would be like... Yeah, just upgrade to an Android phone next time because you don't have to deal with the whole ecosystem thing um, that I have to do that it would be kind of a pain in the ass to give it all up. And it just sucks. to. I, I think this is actually a generally big, um, big thing. I think streaming, video game streaming, I don't think it's going to be the future in video games, but I think it's going to complement our, cur- uh, our current uh gaming life very well. I think a lot of gamers are still going to want to play games natively on the device because they care about input lag and and graphical fidelity and all that bullshit. But it's not bullshit. It's important. But but for a lot of people, this is huge. You know, Once you get to travel again, a lot of people would love to play Halo on their phone. That shit's awesome. I want to do yeah. that. So this sucks. And this is Apple's fault in my eyes. I, I can't really see it any other way. Uh, as much as I love their products and and um, some of their services, like this, they need to change the shit and be a little bit more consumer friendly. And I picked this to, for it to just be my rant, so I apologize if I kind of took over this, but... No, I was going to ask if you... So are you familiar with United States versus Microsoft, the antitrust case from the 90s? Vaguely uh, familiar. Like, so uh, it just seems like Apple is doing a bunch of stuff that could potentially get it in hot water. And, you know, antitrust law is it's not the most clear-cut thing in the world. And it, a lot of it depends on who the DOJ is and what the DOJ wants to enforce. But in that case, Microsoft was dinged and basically ordered to stop basically bundling and favoring its Internet Explorer web browser with its Windows operating system they like stopped like started making it so you couldn't uh it was harder because they said you're or you're favoring it's anti-competitive to favor your bundle and i'm just thinking of that and comparing it to this and it's like it seems so far beyond that i mean apple is 
it's like we sell books, we sell movies, and we're going to make it hard as hell for you to, you know, we sell games, and we're going to make it impossible for you to put this all-you-can-eat game. I mean, it just seems like it runs runs into the same kind of issues, but, you know, what do I know? I'm not a antitrust expert. It just seems like the same kind of thing to me, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, for I, me, I, I will probably never be that into games on phones. Um, I'm a PC gamer all the way. So, but it it does seem very cool to to have games yep. at the at the touch of your finger, basically. Well, I've seen yeah. I've seen you play like games on your laptop streaming from your from yeah, your PC. but it's still it's on a laptop. It's not on a phone. Well, but your I mean, I don't know laptop how uses works, like a little basically. tablet. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, okay, yeah, playing it on your phone is not the ideal way to play a lot of these games. Uh, but, I mean, I don't think that's the point. Uh, right, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily the future like that. I don't think this is going to replace just traditional PC and console gaming. It's just a great, uh, a great complement to how you already play video games to begin with and also like eventually this like you are going to probably stream games on a lot of your main devices anyways because you don't have to worry about storage which if you have an xbox one s you realize that you can only have like three games on there at a time because <laughs> they're all like 100 gigabytes can so you I, plug an external hard drive into that thing yeah but who wants to do that when you can just stream a game or like when once becomes it becomes a viable thing and it actually is like netflix right now like yeah. at some point this is going to be a big deal and I'm I'm hoping again Apple kind of gets gets the uh a wake up call and just changes some of their very overly rigorous app, app store policies. Uh in fact like Epic Epic released a statement and I'm just going to read it out and just probably end it with that, but uh the statement reads that Apple has become what it once railed against. The behemoth seeking to control markets, block competition and stifle innovation. Apple is bigger, more powerful, more entrenched, and more pernicious than the monopolist uh, of yesteryear. So um, I think that statement that Apple has become what it once railed against, it drinks fairly true to me. Like Apple is big brother. and Yeah, like Apple once complained about Microsoft stifling innovation, and here we are. And then the irony is that it's Microsoft that's trying to introduce this um, this platform in uh, or this service in Apple's platform. But I'll leave it at that. And I'll also leave our show at that because that is the uh, end of our show. That is our time. So once again, I want to thank Daniel and Sam for joining us today or joining me today. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thanks for having and I do want to thank our listeners. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. Um, we look forward to hearing from you again next week. If you do have any feedback, please go ahead and send us an email. Uh, Sam, do you happen to have that email address there with you? Friendly dot reminder, the podcast at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. So uh, go ahead and send us any feedback, questions, uh, anything that you just want us to know. Uh, but I do want to thank you again for listening to us. And we'll see you next week for yet another friendly reminder.